so much of what I learn in parenting and what I want to pay attention to, I find also reflected or like mirrored somewhere in my business. And so I see a lot of women who struggle with like perfectionism, right? Mm -hmm. Like everything has to be perfect. Everything has to be right. And so this idea of we can screw up, we can not have it all figured out, we can make mistakes. And these things are not only like, okay, but like, it's great. It's everything's fixable. We can figure it out. Like, I love these opportunities. When it comes to building a business empire online while intentionally cultivating a thriving life at home with kids, well, there is no roadmap. It's not easy, but the great news is we're not alone. We live in a crazy world that is truly unlike any other time in our history. And if you're like me, you've got an impact of your own to make, but you're not willing to sacrifice your relationship with those that you love in order to get it. My name is Stephanie Dove Blake, and this is the Powerful Parenting Journey podcast where we'll journey together to learn what it means to be a truly powerful parent. Let's go. Welcome back to the show. Today, I'm diving in with someone I admire greatly, Lauren Golden. She's an award-winning entrepreneur, speaker, author, coach, you name it, she's it. (laughs) But number one thing is she's the visionary behind the Free Mama movement. She has built an incredible movement online, helping moms figure out the whole balance between creating freedom and financial stability. She's on a mission to help moms everywhere find the perfect balance between work and family life. In this episode, Lauren shares her adventure into RV life style with her family of five, the joys and challenges of homeschooling, and the importance of instilling core values and financial literacy in our children and how she does it. From mental health management to navigating entrepreneurship with the family in tow, Lauren is going to open up about creating a life you love rooted in freedom, flexibility, and fulfillment. So grab a seat and let's get ready to be inspired by Lauren's incredible story and practical tips for being a free mama. Welcome back to the Powerful Parenting Journey podcast. I am here today with the original free mama, Lauren Golden. Uh, Lauren, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I am so honored to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. I can already tell that this is going to be a very different conversation than maybe a lot of the stories I usually tell when I'm interviewed that have more of the business focus and being able to look at my life through a different lens as a mother, I think is going to be really interesting or you guys get to decide that, I suppose. (laughs) That's exactly why I wanted to have you on because I do, I think you're a phenomenal mother and I know that your mom journey has thrown some loops and some beautiful things. And you're literally talking to me right now from an RV. Can you tell everybody what you're doing right now? (laughs) Yes. On July 15th, 2023, we drove out of our driveway in Stillwell, Kansas, and we hit the road to travel full-time with the intention of being gone for at least a year. I would say my current update is that we will not be done in a year. So we will go longer. But if you ask me what's next, I have no idea. (laughs) No, I don't think we'll be done within a year. We gave away about 70 to 80% of our belongings. I mean, we just, we, we were like, we would post a picture on social media of like a couch and we're like, if you can come get it, it's yours. I mean, we got a really small storage unit. We rented our home, so we didn't sell it. Although We sort of have intentions to sell it to our renters uh, in a long-term agreement. It is something that a year ago at this time was something that my husband was kind of still twisting my arm about of like, just think about it. He's really more, he's an Enneagram 7. He is really the more risk 
tolerant, you know, adventurous of the two of us. Although entrepreneurship has definitely made me lean more in his direction than how I grew up. Um, but I'm usually about six months to 12 months behind Justin. So he'll plant <laughs> a seed and then he'll be like, okay, come on. Like, what do you think about this? And it kind of goes from this, like, you're out of your mind to, huh, let me like, do some research on that to like, wow, I have lived in an RV for six months. That is a thing right there. So yeah. I'm, we're definitely, we provide each other some balance. Uh, but what's really interesting, Stephanie, is how not big of a deal it seems now being six months in. Mm. I think a lot of times, you know, we might set these goals or we have these dreams and it, we tell ourselves different stories of like, well, that's not really for me, or I couldn't really do that. Or, you know, that's easy for her. Uh, but I think all of these are just lies that we tell ourselves. Cause now that we're in it, I'm very much like, oh yeah, not that big of a deal. Okay. It's not a big deal. And no, you have three kids, right? We have three kids on board. Yes. I joke. We have seven heartbeats. So it's me, my husband, we have an 11 year old daughter a nine year old son. Uh, my youngest just turned seven. So we're in that brief period where they're two years apart, Audrey. Um, and then we have a dog, a golden retriever and a cat. All in RV. That's incredible. Class A motorhome. Yes. <laughs> wow. That's incredible. So man, living in such small quarters, I can only imagine what that's like. You're six months in right now. What What are the, the pros that you've seen with your family? Well, just this morning, actually. So I homeschool my younger two, which that was a learning curve. We were not homeschooling before we did this. However, I had sort of nine months of what not to do uh, in those first nine months of COVID. So both doing the virtual school through their mm -hmm. public school, but then also we did homeschool for six months because we were moving during that time. We had a lot going on. Um, so I homeschooled. But my mistake then was I was trying to do school. And I kind of put that in air quotes. Like I was sort of trying to replicate this like seven hours yes. moving between all the set, like, here's what it looked like when you were there. And when I was there a hundred years ago, I don't you know, know? If, it was, if you're anything like me, but whenever I first started homeschooling, I felt like I needed one of those desks, you know, where you put your books into the bottom for my kids. I mean, it's just silly. Right. And I mm -hmm. created so much stress and anxiety, not just for my kids, but for myself. And so I definitely went into this with eyes wide open of like, mm -hmm. I know what I want to do. I know what I want to accomplish. And I definitely know what not to do. So we do a lot of winging it in homeschool and just kind of what are those natural curiosities? And we were watching something last night and this idea of values and core values came up. And so I was searching this morning on my computer for like free printable worksheets, which is something I Google very often. So thank you to the people making those things. And this morning we were talking about core values and I found some worksheets for kids. And one of them had like, I don't know, maybe 12 to 15 on it, Stephanie. And it had like pictures and everything. So it was perfect for my first grader, my fourth grader, it was fine. And it had these three little dots under each picture and description. And you were supposed to color it in like one dot if it's not very important to you, two if it's sort of important, and three if it's really important. One thing that caught my attention was how different my two kiddos mm. sheets were like, and, and I thought they did a really good job of like their self assessment of like nice. who they are. You know, my son really values creativity. He's our artist, sports, his friends, his family. Those were all like top of the list. And Audrey was much more like being kind and like being safe and careful and very, and like, again, vary her personality, but both of them, their top one was spending time with family. Wow. And I didn't feel like it was one of those, like kissing up to the teacher slot moms <laughs> or anything. Like, I really feel like that is embedded 
in my children's values. And we didn't tell them that. Mm. We show them that. That's not like a conversation in our family, at least. That's that's not a conversation of like, your family is the most important thing. We value family because I actually have an aunt who teaches that to her kids. And I think that's beautiful. I think it's great either way. I grew up with a dad that like, you know, he didn't always say everything, but he showed me how much he loved me. And Mm. that was really instilled in me. And so I think we show our kids that we spend time as a family. We do things. We hike together. We work out together. We struggle together. We finish our homework together. We cook together. We do chores together. All of my kids have little task sheets every day and a whole incentive program since we moved into the RV. But it's all about being in community as a family. Mm. So, you know, I think that's one of the biggest things is we are together a lot. I think, you know, you asked what's one of the benefits. I think one of the challenges is how do we all also get that time to replenish? Mm. We're a family of five extroverts. So there's a lot of energy and a lot of competing for airspace. And even extroverts need some time to be by themselves. They need that alone time. And so that's kind of our our always sort of oscillating question. And then also our kids also need one-on-one time with the parents. Yeah. So we do a lot, you know, go out and go some do something just with mom. Only one person gets to go to the store, you know, going on a walk with the dog around the, the RV park, whatever those things are. So it's both, I think, one of the biggest benefits, but also one of the things that we have to pay the most attention to, mm-hmm. making sure that it doesn't get spoiled. Yeah, absolutely. Two sides to the same coin. Yeah, I love it. You were saying something before we we dove in about um, how this morning you guys were exercising together and yeah. and how you have hopes that as you're doing these things with your kids, that it's going to become a part of who they are. Yeah. Will you talk to me about a little bit more about that? Because essentially that's what you said now, like you're doing all these things with your kids, you're showing them, right? What do you hope that produces in their life later on? Yeah, well, I don't even think that I have that hope for for especially my youngest two. I think it's pretty integrated already at seven and nine. Um, I I think what I was sharing is, and I just believe very deeply that our kids are going to do what we do, not what we tell them to do. Yes, you know, we are models, and so. Uh, especially leading a community of women and women who are wanting to start businesses and are struggling with their self-doubt and overcoming all these things. What greater motivator than you doing it is going to make sure that you're instilling those things, whether it's a value or a habit in your children, you're really normalizing these things. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I was saying, you know, I had, uh, you know, a a training earlier today, and then I had this hour and a half break. And I'm like, I'm going to go over to the gym. We're at one of those rare, unique uh, RV parks that actually has a gym. So I went over there and my youngest two that I homeschool came with me. My oldest was on a call. My husband was where I'm standing right now. We do like this swap out all day, every day between like clients and recordings and all kinds of stuff. My husband is also an entrepreneur, self-employed. Um, and so we went over to the gym and I don't tell them to do anything. They ask there. I didn't ask them to come. In fact, I would love it to be my alone time sometimes, but I want them to feel encouraged. So they followed me over there. They immediately, they get on the treadmill, they get on the bike. We talk about the right way to use equipment. We talk about leaving things better than we found it. When we leave the gym, sometimes I will even turn on like PBS kids for them. They have a TV in there, but they're really just 
watching. And what's really funny is especially Audrey, my youngest, she's such a shadow that she'll watch what I'm doing, you know, with weights, for example, and then she'll go get like, you know, the three pound one. And as soon as I'll like get up off the bench, I'll see her lay down and try to do exactly what I mean. And isn't that really just kind of what kids, especially those younger kids, what they're doing. And so I think when we can really integrate these habits at a young age, it's just super cool. So I don't even know that I hope. I would say what I hope is that I can continue to grow and work on things that are maybe not my habits that I'm as proud of. Um, (laughs) I I am a yeller. I do not say that proudly. Um, I am a very passion-filled individual. I grew (laughs) up with very loud, extroverted, passionate parents. But the reality is those are just really kind adjectives for saying that I raise my voice. And my kids raise their voice. And it's one of those parenting look in the mirrors where it's like, again, it's the two sides of the same coin. It's like, I see all of the good that they're learning from me. They're hardworking, they're motivated. They care about, you know, how they treat people and how they treat their body. And they're curious and all of these things. And sometimes they have a temper and sometimes they <laughs> raise their voice. And so, so I think, you know, it's interesting you use the word hope because I think I know they're going to do the positive things that I yeah. model and we talk about. I think I hope that I can continue to overcome some of my shortfalls yeah. so that by the time they're adults, they have less things that they have to work on. Yes. But I think some of this is the human experience, you know, yeah. it, nobody's perfect, but I want to know that not even that I taught them everything because we can only teach so much. I want them to be curious and learn, but I want to know that I modeled the best that I could. I want to dive into that because here's the thing is I have 100% yelled at my kids plenty of times. One time, Lauren, I completely lost my temper. This was whenever my kids were younger and I was homeschooling. And so for any of you listening, if you've homeschooled and lost your temper, you are not alone. Um, But I was homeschooling and my son had just a struggle with math. Him and I were both on the struggle bus bus with math. And literally at one point, and you guys can, you're probably just going to judge me, but it's okay. I literally was in there and he was manipulating me on purpose. And he told, we totally had conversations about this and he was just being difficult on purpose. And there was this power struggle and I was trying and, and you know what? I am stubborn. I am super stubborn. And we're probably (laughs) about an hour and a half and I should have given up within the first 10 minutes and, and just reassessed and tried a different time, but I didn't. And here we were. And I'm just like, I'm trying to be patient. I have like my passive aggressive patient voice on. It's awful. (laughs) And he's pushing back and he's acting like he doesn't know what two plus two is when he literally does long division, you know, and like just this thing. And I just completely lost it at one point. And I turned into the Hulk and I didn't touch my son, but I threw the table. Like, like it was a small table, but there were Mm -hmm. books and I just toppled it over. And I was like, you need to go to your room now. And I had have never done anything like that. I was mortified. I instant tears. I knew my son had to be crying. I was absolutely mortified as a mother and as a human, feeling like, how could I do that? Like it's not his fault. Like so I got up and I went in there and um after I prayed <laughs> and went into the the bedroom. And sure enough, my son was crying on the bed. And I came in there and I just gave him the biggest hug. And I just said, Look, baby, I am so sorry, but mama loves you way more than math. 
Do you understand that? Like, do you know I love you more than anything in this world, more than math, more than this stuff that happened? I'm so sorry. I should not have tipped the table over. You know, I lost my temper and had to just humble myself, right? And so, but that was one of the most pivotal things that happened in our relationship because it wasn't but a week and a half later, something that was going on in the house and I was mad doing dishes. Has anybody ever mad done dishes? Like you just, you know, you're like kind of <laughs> tossing plates and whatever. You're just, anyway, he, it was because he was arguing with something and I knew I was going to have to deal with this and do this. And uh, man, this was in the throes of homeschooling and and trying to build a business and and so much was going on in my life. I was doing too much, um, but I was frustrated and he just leans over the little island where I was doing the dishes. And he just said, mama, I love you so much more than this like more than this situation. And so like you're talking about with, you know, us modeling it for our kids and not having to be perfect, like that made us so much stronger. Like I dropped my dishes, I wept, I hugged him. And it's been a thing, like no matter what the situation is, is I love you more than just this stupid situation or this stupid argument. And it's kind of become this anthem in our family of like, you know, nothing is more important than than us, than us together and how we relate to each other, right? And so I'm curious, you know, you say you're a yeller, I come from yellers. My mom would lose her temper. What do you do? Like when you do lose your temper, like how do you handle that with your family? Yeah, it depends. I think we're all, we all have big feelings and we're in really close quarters. So I think it's like anything we're trying to learn or improve. It really just starts with awareness and okay. What got me to that point? Um, I loved your story, Stephanie. It really had me thinking like, I love to apologize to my kids. I actually have said this on an interview before. I don't remember what the question was. I love to apologize to my kids. Because again, I think our kids are going to do what we model. And I find it easy where my opportunity for growth is, is I find it very difficult to apologize to my (laughs) husband. I think he's in here listening now. So he's probably (laughs) smirking like, yeah, you think? So that is very, we're working on that. That's our opportunity for growth. But I love, I love apologizing to my kids because Again, so much of what I learn in parenting and what I want to pay attention to, I find also reflected or like mirrored somewhere in my business. And so I see a lot of women who struggle with like perfectionism, right? Mm -hmm. Like everything has to be perfect. Everything has to be right. And so this idea of we can screw up, we can not have it all figured out, we can make mistakes. And these things are not only like, okay, but like, they're great. It's great. It's everything's fixable. We can figure it out. Like I love these opportunities. And so I think that's a lot of what happens. Um, but I would say we've really hit the nail on the head. I'm probably like where I'm most hypocritical as a parent, you know, because like I'll see my kids do it. And it's like, hey, like, can you say that <laughs> kindly? Can you not raise your voice? Can you whatever? And I'm like, I it's just a pot kettle situation. So then <laughs> Okay, so what are you doing about it, right? I have awareness. I mean, I'm constantly checking at myself. I've definitely gotten better. It ebbs and flows. I would say a season where it got really hard was when we were really struggling as a family a couple of years ago with some mental health stuff with one of my kiddos. And it we didn't have the tools. And so I think our job as parents is to equip our kids with tools. But what happens when you as the parent mm. don't have the tool yet? Yes. You know, like... And and I have amazing parents. I'm very close with my parents. They were high school sweethearts. I've got, you know, and I still have trauma because I'm a human and it's part of the human experience. I still lack certain tools because I'm a human and that's part of the human experience is the growth. So my first thing is like, okay, when I have the awareness and I know it's a problem and I know I want to do something, I'm the kind of person that's like, how do I get the tools? Mm. So, you know, I've done a parenting course that didn't wasn't specific to yelling, but just 
the way we talk, a lot of the systems that we use inside of our family. So yes, I'm not talking about my business. I'm talking about systems in my family. I hope that's like a normal thing. That please, people... please, please. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, you know, we have these daily task cards and it's a way not only for my kids to earn money, but it's a way that we talk about financial literacy as a family, which I would say is one of the things I pat myself on the back for with our homeschooling. Like that's a part of our curriculum. We're always talking about how can they earn money? How do we make money? How do we save it, invest it, prioritize how we're going to spend it? All my kids have debit cards. Like we started this whole thing when we left on our RV trip that I love, but I took a lot of the things that I've learned over the years from different parenting resources. Recently, I did a yell less email something boot camp. I don't know what it was called, but again, it's about like how do I collect the right tools to help me with the problem that I have right now? And again, I think in my parenting journey of, you know, your kids are older than mine. I haven't hit the teenage years, but we absolutely have a preteen in the house on wheels. Um, you know, I think each stage requires something different and mm-hmm. it's having that willingness to admit that there's a problem, to admit that you have a shortcoming, not because you're not capable, but because you haven't learned something yet. And then going and doing something about it. I think that's maybe that humility that you were talking about as a parent. Yeah. And then also going to your kids and saying, I don't have the answer for this. Like, what do you think? Like, that's something I would do in coaching, right? Like, what do you think is a really good idea? <laughs> I do that with my kids all the, like putting the ball in their court. So these are all different. I mean, I could do a whole thing on all of the different tools that we use, but I think at the end of the day, tools is the word that I would use of what I'm looking for and then what my goal is to equip my kids with as they get there. And then knowing when to pull on when. Yes. Hey, powerful parents, Stephanie here. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. Did you know that statistics show that 88% of Americans say they eat dinner with their family every night or a few times a week? I think that's a pretty awesome stat. But if you're anything like me and you're an entrepreneur, then after a day filled of putting out fires and maybe various events, testing your patience, sometimes it's hard to think of questions that can help you really connect with your kids beyond the standard, how was your day? When my kids were just littles, I put together a list of questions to solve this problem and to help us have something to connect with over dinner time. And now I would love to share my curated dinner questions with you. This is good for littles and for bigs. There's lots of different varying questions in there. And these questions are going to help to ensure that the conversation is not just lively, but will bring you closer to your children while you enjoy a delicious meal together. As a listener of this podcast, you can get access to these questions at www.powerfulparentingtribe.com. Once you're there, make sure to type in your best email and I'll have my team shoot over the questions for you. Once you get the questions, I encourage you to make this a family affair. Print them out. Have your kids help you cut them out. We even grabbed a mason jar and my kids decorated it. And that's where we put all of our questions. And that same mason jar still sits on or near our dinner table to this day. We've been using these questions for close to eight years now. And I've really enjoyed the fun conversation and connection that's come from them. I hope your family enjoys them as much as mine have. Again, that's www.powerfulparentingtribe.com. Now back to the show. And what I hear you saying is that parenting is is turning you into a better human, just like all of us. Like, sure. I feel like um, marriage, business, and and parenting are the three things in life that will sharpen you like no other, where it'll reveal our rough edges and the okay. things that reveal our humanness, which is, I think it's totally wonderful that we show up as a real life human for our children. And I, I 
my heart for some of the parents that I meet whenever I know that their struggle is that they feel like they need to be perfect to set a perfect example for their kids when I actually think it does more damage trying to be perfect for your kids than it does if you just live real. Because really, truly, I don't know if you can remember being a kid. I just remember wishing and hoping that some adult would, for one, see me as a person and then talk to me like I wasn't a little bitty kid. Like I wanted to have conversations and I wanted to be brought into the game. Like, what are we talking about here? You know, and be considered as as a value, right? And so I feel like a lot of parents feel like there's has to be like this chasm almost of like, I can't let them in on these things. But the thing that has served me the most with my kids is being humble. And going to them and talking about what I've got going on, I still have a lot of work to do for sure. Um, my kids are, you know, anywhere from what 10 and 21. And I, you know, been doing this what at least 21 years, right? So, so like, but there's still all this work to go, and I'm not ever gonna reach perfection. And so anyway, I think it's so cool because we're a work in progress, right? There's nothing like, I don't know about you, my firstborn was my is my toughest. He's my toughest. And I, I adore him. He's amazing and brings so much to this world. Um, but he has challenged me in ways that I didn't know I could be challenged. Like I didn't, it wasn't even on my field of reference, Lauren. Um, and and our kids will do that to us. Like they'll press oh the gosh. buttons we didn't know we had. You know what I mean? Yes. Well, I have two things I would love to say in response to that. The first is like with our upbringing. And I kind of touched on this, like my parents are amazing. Like when I was a kid, I didn't know there was a problem and problem is probably a strong word for how I felt. You know, I grew up with a lot of privilege. I got to go to a good school. Again, my parents are married. They're the only ones of, you know, their extended families who weren't divorced when Mm -hmm. I was little and growing up. I felt very fortunate as a child. But what I realized was happening subconsciously when I became an adult was that I actually, this actually came out in therapy years ago, but like I actually subconsciously was feeling like they were setting a standard that I could never attain. Like Mm. their relationship was so perfect and our life was so good that I couldn't recreate that in my marriage or for my kids or whatever. But what I had to unpack is I actually think some of that came from what you just talked about of like, I wasn't privy to every conversation. Like I didn't, I do think everything in front of me was very screened and Mm. very PG and I can see both sides, you know, all I know is my experience and I have peers who, you know, their parents fought all the time in front of them. And it was, it felt very unhealthy and very toxic. I think maybe there's like a happy medium somewhere where it's like, well, I want to, I didn't, I didn't really learn how conflict was resolved because I didn't see a lot of conflict, you know? So I think there's all these different things. So I think wherever you're at, where you're listening, I think the most important thing is to go into it without any judgment of either what your experiences were or what you're what you've done up into this point, it just is what it is. And again, we get to make these choices about how we're going to move forward. As far as the kids, each of my kids, I very much feel like I try not to label them too much because, you know, you want your kids to know that they can go any way they want to go in life. And also I think as mothers, especially, we just like see their innate Oh yeah, strength and goodness. And you're just like, oh my gosh, can I just nudge you in this trajectory? Because you're just amazing. My oldest and I, there's a reason that I don't homeschool her on this trip. That was one of our things to overcome when when I finally gave my husband the green light of like, okay, 
we can do this. I, this sounds interesting. <laughs> Let's try the whole RV thing. Um, education was one of our biggest, mm. uh, I would say like external barriers and possibly even our only one. Cause really renting the house, that was all just logistics where you got to go through the motions and get yeah. it done, but it wasn't hard figuring out what do we want education to look like for our family? What are we comfortable with? What can we handle? That definitely felt like a really big decision. We ended up finding an online private school for our oldest that we love and she loves and she's so happy. And it's great because the first month that we were in the RV, we made all our kids start a journal. And every day she was writing, like, I hate my parents. They ruined my life. Oh. And after school started, I know. Great. She's the preteen. Okay. Everybody yes. back off. We yes. don't yes. ruin her life. She's fine. But you know, she's at the age where we took her from her friends and that was, she's starting junior high and all this stuff. But as soon as school started, her whole attitude shifted because she now had that social outlet. She had this community. She had this thing that was hers arguably, I think is actually better than what she would have been experiencing in junior high at mm. home. But the reason that I couldn't homeschool her is because we would butt heads because while she does have her own challenges with, with her mental health, we've equipped ourselves with the tools for that. But we are so similar that I think it just, it would have been really a nightmare. And so for her, I told my husband, I'm like, I need to just be her mom. Like, yes. I don't think I can wear another hat for her because wearing the mom hat for her is already a lot. It requires mm -hmm. a lot. It requires more than my other kids. Yeah. And so kind of seeing all of them for, for how they're different. But my son, it's really interesting because he is so much like my husband, not like me. We're the, we balance each other. We're, we have things in common, but really our greatest strengths are opposites. Mm. And so I've known since my son was probably two years old that he was sent here to challenge me, but not challenge me the way Daphne does, like a head on, look in the mirror, here's where you got to grow. <laughs> yeah. Henry challenges me with like how I view the world and reminding me that it's not the only way to go through life. And it's not the only way to look at the world because his perspective on everything is completely different than mine. Yeah. And so he's my like stretch kid. He makes me stretch because I have to put myself in someone else's shoes to be like, how is he doing that? Like, I don't know. He just has gifts that can are you, so... Can you give us an example? Can you give us an example? Yes. So he's like not a box kid. So I'm like straight A's. What do we do next? You yeah. know, I thrived in the system. Um, Daphne is the same. Tell me what to do. I'm a high achiever. I'm going to get it done and I'm going to exceed your expectations. That's my wiring in a nutshell. My husband and my son, they are like screw the system. We're not doing this. I need a bouncy ball in the back of the room. And like, please don't ever put a worksheet in front of me. But if you give me a pile of sticks, a glue gun, a hammer, and like, I don't know anything, I'm going to turn it into something that you couldn't have dreamt up if you were sleeping. Wow. Like that's Henry and my husband. They're true visionaries. They're creative. He's so, I mean, I'm strategic, I think, as an entrepreneur. Henry can kick your butt in chess. Like wow. he just, he can anticipate things because he sees so broad, but like my husband drives me crazy. And where I like, I'm an executor. I can see the details. I can take a plan and I can execute it flawlessly. 
they have no follow through. <laughs> so like they're they're like, here's the big picture and let's pass this off to somebody who's actually going to do. Yeah. So it's, those are kind of my examples, I guess, is like, That's you know, excellent. I can stick with the thing of Legos and he'll not only build the whole kit without the instructions perfectly in 10 minutes, but then he'll take the whole thing apart and turn it into something else. And you're just like, that was the out of the box solution. Yeah. Yes. And so, and it's such a gift. It's such a gift. But Stephanie, I got to tell you, when I was a young mom and he was a little toddler and just starting school, it challenged me because I'm like, and I'm thinking about stories I know about my husband. I'm like, this kid is never going to get A's. He's never going to. And it's just that reprogramming, right? Which I've been doing through entrepreneurship and, you know, kind of through my mid twenties, I've already sort of disassociated my relationship of like, what we're supposed to do because I did all those things and yeah. I ended up at a job that was mediocre, living paycheck to paycheck and not feeling satisfied. So yeah. I'm grateful also for entrepreneurship and for my husband who stretches me to do things like live in an RV. Uh, but now I also am able to like relive all those things through my son and see his gifts. And like, mm. I could care less what grade that kid ever gets his whole life, because I know that he is destined to do something really meaningful. Like he's either going to invent something or create something like it's just who he is. Um, and then Audrey, my youngest is just like my gift from God. And she realized cause she's our rainbow baby. Um, but she is just compassion and empathy in human form. She oh. is our like fancy girl. She loves makeup and jewelry and dresses and nobody knows where she got it from. But it's like one thing <laughs> I say about all my kids, Stephanie, and I, I don't know if you experienced this too, but it's an observation I've actually really been making since we went home over the holidays and saw kind of, you know, so we had been gone about five months and going back into sort of our old environment and this regular routine with family and neighbors and friends from school. I realized how much each of my kids knows who they are and they like who they are. Ooh. I did not have that as a kid. And so I good. like, I wish I could take full credit for it. It's definitely who I am today. So maybe I'm slightly modeling it. I don't even know that I can give myself credit though. I really don't. I just, I, I am inspired by my children in this regard because I would say up until like my early thirties, I wanted to fit in. I wanted yes. people to like me. I wanted to feel accepted. I I made so many decisions with other people's approval in mind. It makes me emotional because literally like this is a new revelation. Yeah. Yes. Of n- not choosing to do that anymore. Um, really just sort of happened in the last three years but I look at my kids and none of them do that. They don't care what's in style. They don't care what their friends are wearing. They all, they're all they all different. They all have their totally different styles and interests. And I can say that in that regard, like my kids are the teachers and I just am in awe. I'm like, and I pray that you want to talk hope. I hope they never lose that. Yes. I hope they never lose that sense of like, self and self-worth and they like who they are and they're not trying to prove. Yeah. I don't know. I, I spent a lot of time in that provingness. So I'm just, I, I think they're amazing in that regard. So I'm not a, a psychologist by any means. Um, but I do know from what I understand that usually uh, self-reliant or self-confidence is a stem from having healthy environment. Uh, where they feel like they belong and they feel like there is trust and safety and it enables them to grow and blossom. Now, external factors can really mess with that big time. But 
I would just say that's a that's a hats off to you, whether we can pinpoint exactly what it is. But my kids are the same, girl. Same, same. I mean, obviously, there's one or two that definitely still tries to do a little bit of pleasing. But when it comes down to it, they're going to stand their ground and they believe what they believe. They like what they like. They aren't bought into the culture of things. And um, we're kind of we love and respect school. Um, but also, too, we're not playing the school game. Like yeah. we know that we have gifts and talents and that per- supersedes a, a 4.0 average and a pass to an Ivy League college, right? So like, I'd much rather see my kids go off and do what it is that's in them that you can obviously see the gifts are present, right? Then then go yes. and, and struggle and kill themselves to get, you know, a 4.0. Um, but you've talked that's a lot that. about tools and I'd, I'd love to know, like, if you think, take a second and just think of all the tools that you've learned that have helped you in your parenting journey, you know, especially handling or having kids that have some mental health problems. I have one. And so like, what would you say is probably like the number one tool that's helped the most? Breathing. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm kind of being funny, but also kind of not. I actually will stick with that as final answer. (laughs) My top tool is breathing, you know, and that can be used a lot of different ways. So when we were really in the thick of it, it was really, really bad. So we have a kiddo who was diagnosed with OCD, ODD, anxiety, depression, and separation anxiety. Um, At the end of our nine month, very intensive therapy treatment, which we graduated from this past year, she was no longer clinical for any of those um, accepting anxiety. So that was huge. Our path to get to a diagnosis and then get into a therapist who specializes in these things was over a year. Oh my gosh. If you know any of those acronyms, um, what I have learned is I didn't even know what ODD was. And the number of people who have come to me privately since we started started sharing bits and pieces of the story. It's devastating. It is Mm -hmm. scary and it's horrible and it's nothing. I have nothing positive to say about it. It's not good. Um, So during that time, I think the first thing that I did, because we were kind of waiting, right? It's like, you're just on these wait lists and you're like, you don't know what to do. You're lacking the tools. You know, you have a problem. You need help. You see things getting worse. And you're like, can someone throw me a life raft? But without a diagnosis, we also didn't fully comprehend like what we were. I didn't even know what to research. Like I didn't even know. I mean, it just was bad and it was lonely and it was scary. And I had a conversation with a friend, um, an entrepreneur who lives over in Israel. So we just FaceTime or Zoom. And she's like looking at me and she's been through a lot. She's a mother of five kids. Her kids are all older than mine. And she just looked at me and she's like, you're not okay. And I'm like, no, I'm not okay. Like my kid, all of a sudden she's like, no, no, you're not okay. She's like, I can spot it. She's like, you're so worried about taking care of her that like, I don't really see you anymore. And I think you need to take care of you if you can do that sooner. And I was kind of like, okay. And I made like a mental note. And then a month later, something happened in my business where I actually, I lost uh, a team member and it kind of felt like the rug was ripped out from, it was kind of like, that was the last thing that was like keeping me afloat was knowing I had the support. And I like picked up, I like went and sat in the bathtub for like two hours that day. And then I got out and literally like started calling therapists for myself. But something else I did during that season was I got really, really into yoga and I started going like three, four or five times a week. We've already talked to, I like to exercise. I've always been active. I'm a high D high eye. If you're into disc, I have to move or I will go insane. Like I, it's just so yeah. a part of who I am. 
I had been doing a lot of other exercises, but for me, it was like, this was the one thing that would bring me down. Like it calmed Mm. me down. It was like my one hour. And I've said this several times and I'm not trying to be melodramatic when I say it. I think that yoga saved my life that year because going to that quiet room and being guided and breathing and moving was like my one hour of sanity Mm. all day for two years. I mean, it was my safe place. So there's that. But then we know that there are all these techniques. When we take a breath, whether you're about to yell like me or you're just about to react instead of respond, when you just give yourself that beat, you sort of recenter yourself. Mm. So all these breathing activities that you can do that I'm not an expert in, but I am a practitioner that just that can calm your nervous system. You yeah. know, some of the tools that we ended up learning in therapy with Daphne with her anxi- anxiety involved around breathing and tapping into like all five of her senses. Wow. So yeah, and I know it's kind of one of those where it's like, ha breathing, but actually I really, I think that is the tool that I would say for me is the most impactful. And then something that we've really been trying to do as a family is meditate. And I found a really cool podcast, which I might have to look it up and send you the name so you can put it in the show notes. Um, but it's like daily affirmations for kids, basically. Oh, but they I love do that. exercise during it. It's like three to four minutes, the whole thing. So I start my homeschooling with that every day. It's probably more for me than for the kids. But again, much like the gym, it's one of those like, if we do this, if it's normalized, if it's habitual, like, yeah, I know that they're going to grow up with that being normal. I know that that will be a tool yeah. that they tap into where we have this moment of silence, where we have this time where we breathe. And so I know it's maybe not as crunchy or tactical as maybe you thought I would say, but I actually think if I had to pick just one, I would say that breathing is the one that I think would get me through any parenting situation. Mm, that's so powerful. I love that so much. I'm glad that you were able to uncover that for yourself and actually make it a part of what you're doing. And now you're passing it on to your kids. Cause I feel like sometimes we'll um, unlock something for ourselves, but not actually figure out how to impart that to our kids. And I, and I do love that part of who you are. I struggle with consistency personally as just a human being and I'm an Enneagram three, two girl, but, um, the drive you have and the consistency, I just admire that so much. We, we often joke in our house because, um, both my husband and my, I'm married to an Enneagram seven. You are. I'm actually a two wing. I'm a two wing three. Oh, two wing three. Yes. I get it. Okay. Yes. So I'm over here doing my three and I'm, I'm achieving everybody. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes, you do. Um, and so my, I'm over here, you know, trying to do things, but I definitely have ADHD or ADD. I don't know which one. And, you know, we do have some OCD in our family. We've got some uh, sensory processing issues, like, and, and then top it all off. Me and my husband are just very, just kind of, I guess we're just all both ADD kind of just all over the place a little bit. So the consistency is something that's hard, but I guess it all circles back around. Like we we're just getting better, right? Like we're always getting better. Uh, for the sake of our kids and um, for the sake of us, because we're worth it, you know, just alone, just ourselves figuring these things out for how we can move through the world and and make an impact in a better way without completely losing ourselves or losing our relationships with our kids in the process of it. Right. So I have a question for you and I know we're kind of coming on time. And so uh, I would love to know if you just take a minute and think, um, what does it mean for Lauren Golden to be a good mother? Oof, that's loaded. It really is. Cause I think that's, you know, um, around the 
in time that I kind of got over my proviness. I had just this experience sort of in the online entrepreneur space. And coming out of that experience, it was really difficult to sort of walk through and understand what was happening and what I was seeing and reconciling what does that mean for me and all these things. But I came out the other side. And for the first time, Stephanie, I was able to be like, oh my gosh, I'm successful, which sounds like so ridiculous maybe. But like for someone who is so proovy and there was always that next thing and always another notch and always someone ahead of you, it was always this thing that wasn't attainable. But I like looked at them like, oh my gosh, like what am I doing? What am I, if you never can can arrive, what's the point? Like, what are, what are we chasing? And so I just had this experience and it's like, I am successful. I think if you made me sit here on this podcast and say, I'm a good mother, like looking at myself, I think I would probably start crying. That feels like a mountain because the reality today, how Lauren Golden feels is that there are some days where I crush it. And there are some days where I am like you flipping the table. And then I think something about knowing you messed up as a parent and feeling it in the moment is so crippling. Like, just know I'm going to replay it. I know I'm going to beat myself up and they're going to replay it. (laughs) They're going to right. Well, we hope not, but yeah, we hope not. Knowing yeah. that there's reparation that has to just all like just knowing you could have done better, but you didn't. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's that is an emotion that is really hard to mess with, and it's kind of been the same for me with homeschooling. Like people are always like, "How's it going?" And I'm like, honestly, it's hard to know. Like I, I've never been an educator before. I don't know what a normal or you know standard fourth or first grader looks like. I know that some days. I give up. It's funny you told that story because I'm like, oh, I give up. <laughs> I'm like, I told my husband the first week we started homeschooling. I said, if it's one of those days where emotionally yes. we're just not there, I'm done. I'm so glad you've learned that lesson because I didn't have it. <laughs> well, I didn't <laughs> learn time. it because I didn't learn it during COVID, right? So that was my test run. And now I'm like, okay, here's how I'm approaching it this time. So and smart. so then we can talk about expectations, right? It's mm-hmm. like, okay, well, either this has to be done by the end of the day, or this has to be done before you get dinner, or or we have to finish this by the end of the week. So we can take today and go play at the park, but that means tomorrow we're doing double. Like, I, So now I approach it more with choices. But so I always tell people with homeschooling, like, there's days where I'm like, I don't know, like, I'll literally be like, all my kids are going to have to repeat a grade. I have no idea. And then there's other days where I'm like, we're talking about our core values. We're talking about financial literacy. Like my kids know how to do chores without even being asked. My kids know how to do things that I definitely did not know how to do at their age, life skills. And so in that regard, it's like, I'm always patting myself on the back. So I think being a good parent is being an advocate for your kids. I think it's not giving up on yourself or your kids. Cause trust me, I've had moments where both of those felt tempting. I think it is finding compassion for every member of your family, but probably primarily yourself. And now yes. I'm really giving a monologue to myself. Uh, that's the part that I'm not probably great at, or I'm actively working on. Um, but yeah, I think I see a lot of the advocacy. And then I think I believe my philosophy, what I live by is I think that being a good parent is being a good person in front of your kids. Like, Mm -hmm. I think it is modeling what you want them to do and what you hope that they learn from you. So whether that's going after your goals, taking care of your body, being generous with your time or your money, and then like talking about those things or including them in those things. Those are the things that I would say I'm proud of myself for. I think I do 
a good job at those things, um, in spite of my, my shortcomings, but hopefully they'll get some positives out of those as well. <laughs> well, and I just want to just say bravo because Lauren, you're talking about and extrapolating out that it's difficult to own being a good mother. Um, but you are, you're doing the things that you just talked about. You're modeling them and doing the best you can. And yeah, tomorrow might be a bad day, but you get up and you do what you have to do and you apologize and you make it right reparations as you were talking about. And, and we continue to live it out in front of our kids. Right. And like, I think that's one of the biggest golden nuggets that people can take away from this episode is that, you know, again, I've said it a million times on this podcast, you don't have to, it's not about being perfect. It's about how do you move powerfully through your parenting journey? And that is, it, it's hard and everybody has to walk it themselves, right? Nobody can walk it for you. There's no parenting rule book uh, or guidebook that's going to encompass everything, right? So, or for you and your unique children and, yes. you know, like I don't even parent all three of my kids the same way because they don't 100%. need the same thing from me. Yep. Yeah. It's so true. So that's the beauty of it is we're all just on this journey, figuring it out. And if you're listening to this podcast, I believe you to be an intentional parent and you're, you're here to learn from others who are walking the journey with you. So I hope this has been a valuable episode. I have learned so much and just, in, I just feel so inspired. Um, also too, by the RV life. I mean, <laughs> oh man, I would love it. I think, I think, I, I think I would love it. I don't know. I have to think about that some more, but I love watching your YouTube <laughs> channel, which leads me to, I want to tell everyone. Everybody, just go check out Lauren, Lauren's YouTube channel. What is the exact way they would find it, Lauren? Yeah, uh, it's Living Golden with the Goldens on YouTube. Okay. It's so you fun. You guys yeah. have to go watch. It is so fun. <laughs> but I really want to just open this up. And Lauren, if, if people want to connect with you, like what kind of things do you have going on? You're always doing something amazing. So what you got going on now? Yeah, so the Free Mama Movement is sort of my company and and philosophy that I share with the world through my business and through community. And really what we believe our mission is to make sure that no mom has to choose between family and financial stability. Mm. I'm homeschooling, I'm traveling full time, um, and I still run my company, but it looks different every year of my life. You know, when we have a family crisis, I'm able to scale things back because I want to live out in alignment with my priorities when we're traveling full time, you know? And so having a business that, you know, relies on your skill sets, but not necessarily your time is really empowering. And so that's what I teach people to do inside of our membership. So awesome. yeah, I'd love for you to come hang out with me. The best place to connect with me is either our Facebook group. Uh, you can look up the Free Mama movement or over on Instagram, the Free Mama or Lauren Golden Free Mama send me a message. It's me. I love to talk to people. I've already explained I'm an extrovert. So, you know, I won't be shy if you have any questions about, about online life or RV life or parenting or anything. All the <laughs> I'll just things. be real with you though. <laughs> and I have to say that too is so true about Lauren. Like she is one of the most down to earth people. And I'm like, I do not know how you are doing all the things you are doing. She, she's just amazing. So Lauren, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate you. And if you guys enjoyed this episode, please make sure to reach out to Lauren, leave us a review, mention Lauren's name, just give her some love and give me some love because I love doing this. If you have anything else that you'd love to see featured on the podcast, please let me know as well. And Lauren, thank you so much again for coming on. I really appreciate you, girl. Thank you, Stephanie. Good to see you. I truly hope you enjoyed our episode today on the Powerful Parenting Journey podcast. Make sure to hit follow and subscribe so that you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. You're not going to want to miss a thing. I promise. If you were impacted by this episode, do me a favor and leave a review with a comment. I read every one of them and I also pass them along to our guests. 
If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this episode with them or post it on your social media to share with friends. You can catch the show notes for this episode and any mentioned links at powerfulparenting.com forward slash podcast. If you want to see more behind the scenes with me and my guests, be sure to find me on Instagram or Facebook. It's where we can have deeper conversations on these podcasts. Take care. And remember, it's not about being a perfect parent. It's about taking each day and working on showing up powerfully for our kids. They deserve it. And you are the parent for the job. See you on the next episode.